You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast here on the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host. I am also the editor-in-chief of our website. It's greatgeekrefuge.com. Lots of great articles, tons of great podcasts, so much stuff for you to enjoy for both your eyes and your ears. We have another great podcast lined up for you today. It is March Madness themed, but for those of you who are not into the sports balls, that's cool. It has nothing to do with sports ball. It's just themed on the whole March Madness concept. But to introduce this, I'm going to pass this off to um, one of our stalwart co-hosts here in just a second. But let me introduce everybody who's on the show. Um, You know him. You love him. Talented musician. Got two great podcasts here on uh, the Great Geek Refuge Podcast Network. Uh, The first one is The Overflow, which he's been uh, plugging away at for a few years now. And then we've also got GGR Postgame, which is our sports one. You know him. You love him. His name is MC Brooks. Yep, that is me. We've also got... I'm sorry, dude. I just cut you off. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) Uh, we've also got a wonderfully talented visual artist uh, to boot when it comes to our co-hosts here. He's also blessed with the gift of gab and the gift of knowledge, because when it comes to things comic books, when it comes to things video games, when it comes to things movies, TV, the guy is incredibly knowledgeable, so much so that we have nicknamed him The Professor. His name is James Rambo. I had pizza from a place called Bad Pizza. The pizza was actually good. It's causing me an existential crisis. <laughs> There's a uh, there's a deli here in Fredericksburg called Worst Deli, and it's not the worst deli, so I but get it, it. But it is the worst deli, right? It both <laughs> it, it's it's it both simultaneously is not and is. It's it's Schrodinger's delicious sandwich. Yeah, fucked <laughs> up, man. Both the best and worst deli. Yeah, um, How dare. The March Madness bracket concept was birthed by our very own Mr. MC Brooks. Uh, Master Cheezer, why don't you take the reins here, bud, and tell us about this uh, awesome bracket that we're going to be discussing today? Uh, yeah, I mean it's not not much of a not much of a bracket, but we are going to take a certain idea that stems from this time of year because it is March Madness, 
And, you know, the, the big reason behind it is there are, you know, generally speaking, 68 teams all vying for an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> all vying for an opportunity to, you know, say that they that they won the, the big tournament. Um, and this year in particular has been particularly wild because there have seemingly been more big upsets than any other year previously. Um, for, for, for those of you who don't follow, this is the first, this is the first year in which no number one seeds, uh, made the elite eight, the top eight of the 68 teams is not, it doesn't have a single or didn't have a single team that was the ranked as one of the best coming into this entire thing to begin with. And, uh, you know, because of that, it kind of got me thinking about, you know, all the different kinds of media that we consume and we, we, we watch so many things over the course of the year and especially in lockdown, we ended up watching a lot of stuff that, you know, every now and then you come across, you know, these shows that you can kind of consider to be upsets. Uh, these these episodes that are, are shows that, you know, you kind of, you know, you didn't really didn't get all jazzed up about it at first. And then by the end of it, you're like, that's one of the best things I've ever watched. And by the same token, things that you were maybe really excited for you know the actors involved you know the directors involved uh you saw a trailer and it looked awesome and then it it turned out to be terrible it turned out to be uh not great not worth the watch not worth the wait anything like that um so i figured like you know that this you know with all the upsets that have happened in march madness maybe we can list off a few of our you know our own that we've come across in recent years uh, TV shows, movies, comics, whatever, things that, you know, may have caught us off guard with how good something ended up being or something, how bad something ended up being, despite how promising it seemed to be at first. Let's do this. Let's start this, man. Yeah. So who wants to, who wants to start us off? Rambo, why don't you kick us off, bud? Give us uh, an upset, either good or bad, as far as uh, its performance or your enjoyment of it. <laughs> What do we want to hear? I'm going to start something positive or negative. Let's start with negative. Start with negative. Uh, if I told you that there was an action movie about two assassins who were doing their absolute best to kill each other, um, and it starred Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, you'd be excited about that, right? Oh, yeah. You'd be, you'd be looking forward to that. Um, Hell yeah. But then if I showed you Ballistic X versus Sever, wherein X is the name of one of these assassins, and it's E-C-K-S, oh, you'd be upset. <laughs> God damn it. Because this movie is fucking garbage. It is terrible. Um, I remember almost nothing about this movie beyond the fact that it just sucks. It's just a bad movie. It's got a pretty solid cast. It's got a hell of a, 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 a great two leads. Um, and it's right when Banderas was like starting to go gray. So he's got kind of a salt and pepper beard thing going on. Uh, so he looks like he's kind of, you know, hitman over the hill. Um, it apparently also spawned a video game that also is terrible, to the best of my knowledge. Um, yeah, it's just, a, it's it's bad and it should feel bad. Um, and it is proof positive that one element of something is not enough to make it good. Uh, a great cast can still 
but you know a, a bad movie can still come from that um a good script uh or a solid director neither of which this movie has um can still are still not enough singularly <laughs> to bring everything together um it was yeah it's just it on paper it makes total sense and it's very exciting um but sometimes it doesn't come together sometimes it's just it's just a bummer wow that is that <laughs> quite disappointing <laughs> that's a that's a solid that is a I'm, solid I'm, yeah i'm still torn i'm still messed up on x like ecks like, ecks that's his name <laughs> what that is the name yes <laughs> oh jesus oh my god yeah that's yeah. that's that's yeah <laughs> Uh, Mike, why don't you go? Why don't you go next? Um, good or bad? Uh, well, we started off with bad, so let's uh, let's let's uh, let's do the round of bad. One okay. last thing to add. Oh, there's more. That movie has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Quote a the the the. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, uh, the sort of summation of it on Rotten Tomatoes uh, from a hundred a hundred and nineteen reviews, zero oh percent. A startlingly inept film. Ballistic X versus Sever offers overblown wall-to-wall -wall action without a hint of wit, coherence, style, or originality. Well, damn. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how you really feel. Fucking half past dead has a three percent. <laughs> and ballistic has a zero percent. Mike, please continue. <laughs> I want to take everyone back. Let's 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 all go back here to the time that was uh, the 1990s, and I want you to think specifically of 1999. And I want you to think of the Burger King tie-in that came with this movie. There were these really dope sunglasses that you get all sorts of cool little things Like you could buy your own sunglasses so that you could look like the character that was played by either Kevin Klein or the character that was played by Will Smith in this movie that was about to come out. Kevin Klein? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Klein was in this, too. Yeah. Unfortunately. And you go to these scenes. Oh, oh I just thought about what this was. <laughs> is, it just clicked. It just, it's oh, just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You go to you go to see this movie in the theaters, and at first the movie starts off, and you're like, "All right, this is kind of fun. This is kind of cool. It, it's interesting. It's different. It's weird. I like this. All right, this is this is fine." And then shit just stops making sense. And if you know anything about Kevin Smith, and you know anything specifically about John Peters, the producer, and you hear about the giant spider that shows up in the third act, you know where this came from. <laughs> and the movie I'm talking about is Wild Wild West. There, there was no reason why this movie shouldn't succeed on paper. It had, it had the big budget tie-in. Like, hey, we got fast food shit going on, and you can get yourself a, a Will Smith Whopper. Like, fucking whatever they called it. Like, you can get the cool sunglasses that he wears. You know, he had a theme song that he wrote for that shit. Like... <laughs> they sampled Cool Modi. He sampled Cool Modi. Cool Modi showed up at the MTV Movie Awards to play that song with him. So did fucking... Um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh no. Um, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder showed yeah. up. 
They had him. Yeah, that's right, because that's the, the main hook of the, uh, mm -hmm. the beat. Yeah. Playing playing on the piano. And side note, at that MTV Movie Awards, they forgot to come get Stevie Wonder and just left him on stage. Oh, no. Like, everybody else clears out. And poor blind-ass Stevie Wonder is sitting oh, there. He's like, no. And he's just sitting there just like, so somebody will obviously <laughs> come get me. Legendary musician Stevie Wonder. He just left Stevie Wonder. Known there. blind man. <laughs> That's this, up. this movie <laughs> this movie had such potential it could have been so cool and it just like it was incomplete like the script was missing so many things it was more focused on dumbass jokes like at one point i still remember like this is for me at 19 in 1999 that would have made me 16 yeah 17 i would have been 17 years old and i remember having a fully thought out rational thought of this movie doesn't make any fucking sense and like it was the first time that like I'm in the movie theater watching a movie and I'm like, this is not a good movie. Something is wrong with this film. The the spider thing at the end was kind of cool, I guess. Okay, whatever. But at one point, um, why am I blanking on the bad guy's name right now? The actor. Um, oh, Kenneth Branagh. Thank you. Kenneth Branagh has like this collection of mutants that he has and like like modified people that he's made into his like his his cadre of villains and like there's a dude who is going to hit Will Smith with a shovel, and then all of a sudden his head just explodes for no reason, and we don't know why. Awesome. It just happens, and there's no explanation. They just move the fuck on. And you're like, what just happened there? Why did that happen? Does anybody care? No, they don't. And like, it, at the very end of the movie, Kevin Klein's character says to him, hey, can I ask you a question, Jim? Because it's Jim West, Desperado. Yeah. That's from the song, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, and he goes, hey, can I ask you a question, Jim? And he goes, I'd prefer you didn't. And that's the end. There's no joke. We don't understand what the fuck that means. Like this, oh, fuck Wild Wild West. And the worst part about it is, is if it, when I was like, when I still had cable, the, you know, the pre-streaming service days, if Wild Wild West was on TV, I would just stop and watch it because it's still entertaining to watch for me. But it, like, fuck that movie. God damn it. It could have been so good. Yeah. I'm actually with you on that. It's for a while. I'm like, I, for a while, I would watch it mostly because it was. It, it's bad, but it was at least like entertainingly bad. Like you know, like it just yeah. nothing here makes sense. But you know what? Fuck it. Sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A four point nine out of ten on IMDb. Thirty eight percent on Metacritic. Hey, but sixty nine percent like this movie. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's fucking very song film too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, director of Men in Black movies, uh, which is what when you said sunglasses, Will Smith, I was and you're like Kevin Klein, I was like Kevin Klein's, I, I was like Kevin Klein's not in that fucking movie, man. Like, we, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the realization on your face was 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 worth the description. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you're up, MC. Like he he does like you know big weird crazy fun shit and he like does. That movie is, you know, it is very stylistic. There's no getting around that. Um, yeah, and when you give the guy who made fucking Adam's Family movies uh, free reign to just like, hey, here's this old uh, Western TV show that was like kind of gadgety and fun. Um, do whatever you want. And yeah. They're like, okay, like, whoa, stop, <laughs> rain it in. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, nobody, please, nobody, nobody stopped to be like, "Yo, this doesn't make any fucking sense." It's so, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> let's go back also to a more recent time, early 2018. What was happening in early 2018? Well, the world at large was very amped and fucking excited because what would go on to be one of the best, the first billion dollar Marvel film was about to come out in Black Panther. And everyone, there was just like an excitement, a general excitement for just what was visually going to look amazing. But narratively, we also were very excited for it coming, you know, in the aftermath of getting introduced to the character in Civil War. And yeah. So Black Panther happened. Black Panther was excited. It was exciting. You know, black folks and not even just black folks, but folks dressed up and we're just we were super hyped and excited over this movie. And just three short weeks later, there's another movie that was going that was coming out that has a cast that features uh, Storm Reid, who was awesome in Last of Us, Oprah, oh, Oprah Winfrey, Reese <laughs> Witherspoon. Chris Pine, Mindy Kaling, and you know a, a number. Of Michael Pena is is also in it. There, there are a, a lot of names that you would recognize that they're that they're in this. And seemingly, you know, there you know there seems to be an expectation that you know we were going to carry over over a lot of this Afrofuturist excitement for this movie because visually it looked really fucking spectacular. It was very pretty. Um, you had a you know you had a young black girl who was going to be the lead the lead of it in Storm Reid. And it really seemed like, hey, maybe like maybe maybe this will be the wave. Maybe we'll finally show Hollywood like, hey, if you 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 put us in charge of these movies. Oh, I forgot. Ava DuVernay was direct is the director of this movie. And, you know, hey, maybe maybe after getting disrespected all for all these years, like we'll finally show Hollywood like, hey, like you can you can trust us to. To, to do this, especially coming off Black Panther, which, you know, when again, went on to, to be really fucking great. And then, you know, a wrinkle in time happened. And I had the unfortunate uh, opportunity to go see that movie with friends of the show, Charmaine. We went to go see it on a Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, money was spent to go see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once you get past how fucking, vi how visually beautiful it is, you realize nothing in that movie makes sense and shit fucking happens just because they need stuff to happen to go along with the plot. It's just, you, you, like, within the first couple minutes of the movie, like, the the fam the main family is like playing this game and some weird Reese Witherspoon's character just like knocks on the door and is immediately start making like do you remember how in Lady of the Water how fucking gullible everyone was when told about what they are like oh you stoners are the guild and they're like well shit guess we're the guild yeah we're similar on board. <laughs> yeah similar concept here Reese Witherspoon's character comes up and starts talking all this stuff about this world this fantasy world and tra space travel and all this. And like somehow their mother just kind of glosses over that apparently at some point there is her seven year old kid was apparently in the home of a random woman that no one has met before. <laughs> and they just kind of gloss over it and it never gets addressed or brought up at all. And then, you know, they talk about the Tesseracts, not the Tesseracts from, you know, Marvel. The Tesseract is in space travel and they get whisked away to this other world where again, things are just happening 
because they need to happen for the story to go along, which like there isn't really one. It's like, oh, I'm searching for my dad. Oh, cool. I think I might have seen him. And then you just kind of do that for however, however, I don't even remember how long the movie is, but you kind of <laughs> end up doing, you kind of just end up doing that until it's like, oh, hey, hey, we found your dad. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa, he's been here the whole time. Huh, that's crazy. Oh, no, the person who has been leading this charge, oh, no, they are betraying us because they just wanted to do some evil shit for the sake of being evil because of fucking course. And it's never even really explained like what their like what like what their end goal even was like like what was the point of keeping the father in prison there we don't know and it was just it was just such a galactic waste of time and i felt bad because i'm like i really don't want to trash this movie because you know i don't want to talk about my people in public but good god this is terrible 26 <laughs> percent on rotten tomatoes Oof. and uh, where's, where's there, there was a really great, uh, <laughs> a review of it. Uh, uh, what DuVernay has delivered is essentially a feature length screensaver, which operates on the assumption that cinema for children is a matter of bright colors and dippy cinema. And I'm Ooh. like, you know what? That describes that movie perfectly. I, I Oof. want my money back. It's also considered to be one of the biggest film flops. They lost like over 150 million Damn. on that movie. What a bummer. Yeah, could have been good. Could have been good, and and it, it, it was also doubly disappointing just because like Charmaine had actually she told me she had, she had actually read the book, and it was nothing like it. So it wasn't it wasn't yeah. even like the adaptation was even true to the source material at all. It was just a lot of things that that kind of happened. And you know what? Maybe this might be messed up to say, but kind of glad Ava didn't do Black Panther now. If uh, that's how that turned out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, I, just, I just couldn't imagine yeah. what the vision for T'Challa and the rest of them would have been considering like what happened with that source material and imagine trying to connect that to a larger universe. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Want to flip it? Want to flip it and go to some, uh, some sleepers, some yeah, Cinderella stories? Sleepers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I was working at Phantom Comics uh, when this came out. And I 100% picked it up just to be like, let's see just how fucking awful this is. And when I read the first issue of the Flintstones, <laughs> I like got choked up. I was immediately impressed. Well, first of all, like, it, it's beautifully drawn by this guy, Steve Pugh. Um, Written by a guy named Mark Russell, who I instantly became a fan of and followed everything he did after the fact. Uh, and it was, DC had just gotten the Hanna Barbera licenses, and they were they're doing a big push, um, or maybe they've had them for years. But they were finally doing a big push to do something with them. And uh, the fucking Flintstones is a twelve issue miniseries that is bitingly funny it is this incredible uh social satire um it is beautifully executed in terms of the art there is um these moments of genuine emotion and uh there's a there's a whole sequence uh throughout like it is completely true to the original show 
which like it's a honey fucking it's a fucking honeymooners ripoff you know whatever but like the same kind of sight gags show up like all of the the things with the um the 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 appliances and shit where they're all animals uh, mm -hmm. and they're all yeah. they're, they're all sentient that's all still there but you know what else is there there's a fucking uh, a, a subplot about the appliances and about how they like how they exist in this world and how uh uh they form bonds with each other but because they're stored in different places in the house there is this longing between them um so it ends up being this like like metaphor for for uh, uh like indentured servitude um why in the first issue alone wilma is um wilma is uh, uh she's making these paintings uh and they're just they're handprints they're all handprints and you know one of the gags you get is uh like a, a hat rack or something looking at it and kind of like rolling its eyes like you know she's no picasso um and she gets accepted into a local art show and when they go to see it uh uh they ask where it is and they say oh it's it's with the outsider art and it's you find out that it's actually in the back of the gallery outside in the alley uh and there's a couple of paintings set up and Red has tr is trying to be supportive throughout, right? But, you know, Wilma sees it and she gets really upset and he's like, I'm sorry, babe, but like, I don't get it. Like, what's the, what, what is this, the deal? And Wilma tells this story about how when she was a child, um, her tribe lived in this one cave. And whenever they would have to go on like hunting trips, the adults would take their hand, they put it down in the mud of the cave, and they put their handprint on the wall. But only the adults did this because they were only the ones leaving. So even if they left and they didn't come back, there was still a symbol that they were there to begin with. And Wilma tells him about how, like, the first time she did this, she felt like a real person she felt like a fully formed individual adult and she knew that there was a permanent marker that she was alive and i'm like this is a fucking flintstones comic book and, and and there's this moment of like this shared experience between you know husband and wife and uh and and he he finally understands the significance of the art she makes um also there's a whole thing about uh the reason that the the loyal order of buffalo water buffalo exists is it's it's like the moose lodge but it's also a ptsd group for the homo sapien neanderthal wars and how the homo sapiens like the line is we participated in a genocide barney that's in the fucking flintstones comic <laughs> what <laughs> while it's also like really funny and silly and punny in places like there is a sight gag where mr slate there like like fred and wilma and um 
uh, and Mr. Slate and and like I think Barney's there as well are all hanging around at Mr. Slate's house at his fucking mansion and they're in the hot tub and uh, Slate's like oh you have to try this new thing that I just I just found out about and he like rings a bell or something and a little door opens on the house and a turtle walks out and it's got a dish of ice cream on its back and there's like three or four panels of the turtle walking over and as it's walking over the ice cream is melting more and more and more and you just you like you know what's happening you know what's coming and he finally gets to the hot tub and it's just liquid and mr slate gets really mad and he yells at the turtle and, and like that's the whole joke that's it that's the whole thing um but yeah it is 100% worth your time and I I I'm very proud to say I sold every copy of that comic we had come in because nice. everybody that came by was like you need to read this um because it is it is a great example of what can happen when someone takes uh, um a fairly flimsy property but that means that it's full of potential there's all these things you can do with it um and really leans into that and 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 maximizes its potential um it's all collected in trade now you should absolutely pick it up it is yeah. just wonderful absolutely i yeah i just i just wrote that down boy do i have a great segue to run off on that one. Ooh. oh man let's talk about a flimsy property a property that was often laughed at that was like used as a joke used as a meme as a thing that people would just shout at each other you know to be like hey remember the 80s wasn't this thing funny in the 80s yeah ha 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 that got a reboot not a reboot like a continuation of the story um and really took the concept and looked at all sides of it instead of it just being a binary black and white this person was good this person was bad and really looked at all of the nitty-gritty and oh, like you said yeah. like you said rambo because it was flimsy there's a ton of potential there there's so much depth you can add to it and honestly going into this hearing that it was going to be on youtube and that was where you could watch it. I was like, there's no way that this is going to be good. It'll probably be a cash grab kind of thing where it's like, all right, there's a couple of nostalgia things here. They play some music. They show some clips. They talk about this. You know, they fight again. Ha 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 um, I was fucking wrong because that first season of Cobra Kai and every subsequent season after that has been dynamite. Now, is this something that you could take to the Cannes Film Festival and blow people away and get standing ovations for 15 minutes? No. But the way I've described it before, and I still feel like this is a really solid description of this show, is it's like a diner, you know, and hey, we're at the diner, ha ha ha. Um, it's like a diner where you go, you go for a diner, you know what you want. You're like, I want meatloaf, I want pancakes. And if they deliver it and it's done well, you're like, fuck, this is exactly what I wanted. That's Cobra Kai. But then every now and then you'll go into a diner and they'll be like, hey, so we have some Wagyu beef that we were able to get and we made some really, really good Wagyu beef sliders. And then not only that, we have these French fries with a truffle aioli on top of them. And you're just like, y'all are good at pancakes. Can you pull this off? They do it and you're like, fuck, you did pull this off. And this is good. Like that's Cobra Kai. It's that like comfort food, but also sometimes they'll do some shit that blows your mind. That's really, really progressive. And they managed to take a character in Johnny Lawrence, who was like 
just a douchey 80s villain. And they turn him into this sympathetic character where you're like, well, fuck, okay, this guy had a shitty life. I see things from his perspective now, but then let's also look at the hero of Daniel LaRusso. You know what? He's also kind of a douche. So the hero and the villain of this movie, of the first Karate Kid, are very, very similar. And they play on that and they do such a great job. But like when they hit those nostalgia notes, they don't just hit them like a little bit to be like, oh, I remember when this thing happened in the original one. No, they hit it and they nail it. And the perfect scene would be in the first season when um, you get Miguel's character and you get Daniel LaRusso's daughter and they go on the date to like the the putt-putt slash arcade slash whatever. It's the exact same fucking song they played in the original uh, Karate Kid. And it's the same scene, like more or less, but it gets flipped on its head and it's so endearing and it makes you smile. And you're just like, this is such an awesome moment. And they just fucking nail it. And they do this great thing throughout the entire series where hero becomes villain, villain becomes hero. And like, you see that these are fully fleshed out characters and they're not one dimensional. And like this, this was such a shock to me at how good it was. Um, and like, it's one of those things, honestly, it's the only reason I'm keeping Netflix around that. And like you, uh, <laughs> is like, cause honestly, like I'm done with the, the, the streaming service for the most part, but I'm still waiting for more Cobra Kai. Cause like, it is just so well done. Um, yeah. Same in, in that same vein, Rambo of this could have been cheesy as fuck. And it wasn't. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. And uh, luckily, in like the next year, you'll be able to cancel since both you and uh, Cobra Kai are, are having their final seasons. Yeah, yeah. Eat a dick, Netflix. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like torn back and forth because I have two, I have two that fit in the same vein. Yeah. Of uh, of uh, what we're doing of, of of like this particular this particular vein right here, um, and I think the. The one I guess I, I can I can absolutely really uh, talk about is hmm. well I guess what we'll, are we doing another round after this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got time. I mean, if you guys are down for it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I can I can I can absolutely talk about both. But um, well, in in that vein, um, the the thing I think that's been kind of like a really kind of dope surprise. For me, has been the uh, the Bel Air remake or the Bel Air show, the dramatic re remake of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And honestly, calling it a remake doesn't even feel fair because it it's it's less, you know, here's everything that happened before and just told through a dramatic lens, and more of we're gonna take concept the, the concepts that were there that were present in the original series and really modernize them and explore them a little bit further and so like even in just the first episode where they're they really kind of talk or uh, they go a bit more in depth about uh will and his home life and like what philadelphia meant to him and just kind of like like everything he was really involved in there and one of the things they explore a lot of over the course of that first season is just like the jarring nature of you are now moved, you move, you now are across country in a place you're unfamiliar with, but with family members you've never met, that you've never really interacted with before, um, in a type of school environment surrounded by, you know, all different types of folks that you've never been around before. And 
just kind of how jarring that like how really jarring and off-putting that can be you know they they played a lot of the stuff that got played for like laughs and jokes in the original series are things that you kind of really sit with will when he talks about like the anxiety he has in being in that new environment and how that how that even shows up for his character in particular over the course of the of um the initial season and then even on top of that like they 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 do a lot to really give everyone their own individual arcs but also really tying it all all together so like we knew you know philip banks you know judge great dad and one of the things they kind of explore here is we know you know nowadays you know the the relationship to police not necessarily great so like what does that necessarily mean when he is this affluent black man who is a judge working within the system trying to uh trying to run for um run in this election and he is culturally very removed from the people he's trying to speak to because he's not like them at all outside of just sharing you know a, a skin complexion and um there's like they 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 go very kind of in depth and, and also just kind of what that means for him. We knew that like uh, Phil the in the original show, Phil Banks was you know he's very proudly pro black individual, and in this he is too. But he is also on the he he also works a lot through the system, and we know how the system has affected black folks over the years. And you know he finds that he finds himself really kind of at odds with his work. And his personal philosophies and how that also impacts his relationships with like his wife and with his family and like where they go to school and whatnot. So even though it's like a dramatic version of the Fresh Prince, it's also just it's different because it's also its own thing. And like I, I almost feel like it was very unfair for people to kind of write all of these articles and whatnot before it even came out talking about how this is just going to be either nostalgia pandering or this is going to be just like a cash grab at the for the Fresh Prince IP and not something that is just new and different and you know with more opportunities to really flesh out character like Jazz is way more fleshed out and has his own motivations and character arcs in this than he did at any point in the original. He's not just the, sure. the, the guy who gets thrown out, you know, who 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 jokingly hits on Hillary and his will's best friend like you you get to know about him and you get to know about like why he's there what are his motivations how like the thing that he and will bond over that even a lot that even um lets them be friends to begin with and just really kind of getting really kind of exploring that a lot it's it's really it's really fantastic and honestly uh the less will be the last thing i say like the character of carlton in particular has, is very controversial, but I think it's in the best way possible just in terms of how his character is written because a lot of people didn't like some of the choices that they made, but the the reality is that they 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 did such a great job with making with with exploring different aspects of his character, both with what they kept from the original iteration and also things that they added um, to make really profound commentary about, you know, He's a black. He's been he's been the only black kid in that school for a number for you know for forever. Growing up, it's always only been him, and now he has Will, and now that's that's different. And it's his character is just is incredible, just incredibly well done as well. I think the, just the entire series has been really well done, 
um, to this point. Like I said, it really feels like its own its own thing. When they very easily, they very easily could have just like, hey, here's all the characters you remember the exact same way you remember them. We just put new actors in, and we're just going to do the same thing all over. They've, yeah, it's it's been really good so far. Good stuff, man. I love that we all harmonized on this too. Like we all hit the same beats with that was that was kind of cool that was that was really cool yeah uh do we want to do another good one or do we want to go back to the bad uh i have plenty of both so yeah i do too yeah, yeah. um here you know what I'll, I'll start with one that is kind of in between um i think this one it to, to make the sports correlation there have been many great sports teams that uh, especially basketball teams that ran into a Cinderella and they just didn't go on or they lost in a fluky way or whatever. And they didn't, they weren't able to realize their potential. Um, the movie I'm going to bring up, I think if the movie had come out 10 years later than it did, I think would have been a runaway success. And I think that we would be seeing sequels with it because of the nature of the geeky nerdy community and how they have like appreciated that, Hey, we need to support this thing if we want more of it. A perfect example of that would be what happened with the Sandman. Like people were like, yo, we got to support this shit. And it's why we're going to get another season of it. It's why there's been so much discussion of it. And it's great. And Gaiman is like really getting to see more of his stuff, like see the light of day and like really get its its due. Um, the movie has a fucking stellar cast, man. Martin Freeman, Zoe Deschanel, Sam Rockwell, Alan Rickman, Bill Nye, most deaf. Like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had no reason to not be a fucking runaway success. But the only reason that it didn't succeed is because it came out too soon. Not like they rushed it. No, because if you've watched the movie, it's fucking good. It is a good movie. It is a good adaptation of this book. And what was disappointing to me is there are so many fucking geeks and nerds out there who talk about how much they love Douglas Adams' stuff and how much they love this book and how they love the whole book series. And the movie just did not perform well in theaters. And I really feel that if this had been something that was on Netflix or Hulu or Paramount or any of these streaming services, that this would have taken the fuck off and it would have been huge. Imagine this as like a, a like a four part series or a six part series on those. You would get four, five, six seasons of this and it would continue to go. People would love it. They would talk about how much, how great it is and how true to the story it is. But like it just came too soon. It didn't it, it wasn't at the right time. And it's yeah. so so is it is this a um a disappointment? Is this a Cinderella? Is this a um, an upset? Yeah, it's an upset because it could have done better. It just was the wrong place at the wrong time. It's hmm. a good one, and I agree because I've, I've I've really enjoyed that movie when it came out. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised to hear that it didn't really do all that well. I, I quite enjoyed it. What sucks too is is like it it did things that they're now doing regularly that are really successful. Again, this is like a predecessor. Most Def plays Ford Prefect. Ford Prefect was not described as any sort of race at all in the book. He was just a dude. And they chose a black guy. And normally the default is let's choose a white dude. And that was progressive for the time because normally it was like, we need a white hero because that's what people are going to want to see. And now we're seeing that sort of thing all the time. And like, it's great. But like, that's what was so great about this. That when they picked Martin Freeman to play Arthur Dent, that is such a goddamn dead on casting 
Like he he played Arthur so well. Zoe played Trillian fucking well. Sam Rockwell God, as Zaphod was incredible. He was perfect, and to have Alan Rickman as the voice of Marvin the depressed robot was so <laughs> fucking dead on. Like the casting was phenomenal. It just oh, it's I love that book. I, I've read those books so many goddamn times. It, it's I really. Maybe we need to start the groundswell. They need to do this again. They need to have another series of in some way, shape or form or a movie or something because a restaurant at the end of the universe would be a fucking phenomenal piece of media, however they choose to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I remember there being a big uh, like nerd backlash on it too. Whereas, like, oh, there's a romance in the story, and you know, now there's like a, the, I mean, hey, more power to you. I, I've never been able to get into Douglas Adams. I, I tried, uh, because I, I, I love Pratchett, and I, I've heard it from a bunch of people like, oh, if you like that, you'll probably really like this. Yeah. And I do not find that to be the case in terms of going from Pratchett to Adams. That's so um, interesting because I went from Adams to Pratchett, and, and well, so yeah. so this is the thing that that bugs me about Douglas Adams. Um, man's not a big fan of a plot. Not <laughs> yeah. looking for a narrative. Yeah, he do be doing that. Books. Yeah, and that's <laughs> a big part of my enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that was a big complaint from a lot of nerds who were who were like big Adam fans. Is like, well, the, you know, this movie has a coherent first second and third act that's like, what made it good that's, like... yeah that's enjoyable that's a, that's a positive thing um but yeah i remember there being so many complaints and I, I saw it with my then girlfriend and like two friends of ours and i really dug it and everybody else was like that was so fucking stupid I'm like sorry folks <laughs> like i don't yeah. know what to tell you um i had a good time should i watch that in a minute i should probably rewatch it yeah yeah that might be a thing in tw this year, maybe next year if we have to. But like, I think we should start doing rewatches on movies and things like that because we've yeah. talked about like sure, yeah. either yeah. rewatches or filling in gaps for shit that we haven't seen. Like I mentioned that I haven't seen any of the John Wick stuff, and it's not for I haven't, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. Yo. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is. That is. Yeah. God, I mean, so in that same vein, good. I've never seen any of the Creed or Rocky films. Yeah, we gotta oh. fix this shit. Okay, there's yeah. so many. There's yeah. so. Oh man, yeah. You can really stop after after Rocky Four, and there's probably one or two in that first four you can skip. Yeah, <laughs> but you, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah we'll okay. make some time for that. We yeah, gotta, we got to Yeah, I mean, you cash. literally could like we were talking about this the other day about like where can you jump in? What's a jump in point for certain things? Yeah, like, sure. Um, I think you could start at Rocky Balboa, and here's why. You could start at Rocky Balboa because for the most part, even though you haven't seen the movies, MC, you know the basic plot of the Rocky franchise, right? Like up and coming dude who's yeah, but, kind of an underdog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ends up yeah, ends up being on top of the world and then like I think if you know that that basic premise and then you watch Rocky Balboa, you'd be fine to start with all the new stuff. Because then you can go into you can go into the Creed stuff. It, it, it lends itself perfectly to get into like the modern stuff. I feel like that's like the, yeah. the bridge between the two. I mean, honestly, I think you could probably skip if 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 we're we're in a hurry to get to Creed. I think you can just go with the Creed movies. But if you were gonna watch 
the the you know any of the Rockies, I would say you could probably watch the first one, the fourth one, Rocky Balboa, and then into Creed. The utter disrespect for Mr. T. I just I don't give a fuck about Clover Lang. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't care about Clover Lang. I, I love him like, so much. He just he just he's so over the top, and it's so it is fucking so ridiculous. ridiculous. Yes, and, it, and it's it's certainly not something that, that like really you, you really need to, uh, to 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 speak to the the relationship with Apollo and yeah, because um, like the, the most important thing with the Creed movies is you really need to understand Rocky's relationship with Apollo. At least for the first one. For the second one, you need to understand Rocky Apollo and Rocky and Apollo's experience with Ivan Drago. And once you have those things locked in, the, you can really get the context of stuff. Like when Mike mentions Rocky Balboa, like, you know that picks up years later, and they do a great job of not trying to be like, you know, Rocky's doing great and he's like young and healthy and shit. And it's like no, he's a fucking boxer who's in his 60s. He was never the brightest guy. Uh, that's the other thing I really like about Rocky Balboa. He's kind of he kind of a dim dude. Like he's he was he was never super smart to begin with. And, you know, now he's taken a couple of hits to the head uh, for quite a while. Um, like he's a sweet guy. He's a a, a a very kind man, but like he's not what you call a world-class intellect um and and you can you can have that and be uh a uh, uh, very much worthwhile character but yeah anyway we're off on a total tangent here we can we can absolutely put together some like you know yeah uh, uh must have like or, or 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 like you know gap fills here and there it's like you want to get into this thing all right here's what you really need uh, to yeah. to get those things working. I, I feel like we we tried to do something like this like a long time ago. Probably, Mike. Didn't we try to do something like this? It was like yeah. a, it was like a it was like a character. <laughs> we did some characters, if I remember correctly. We we did we did we were we were doing the um like we did it for Star Trek we did it for Batman we did it for okay, Superman yeah. like one like one hundred one. Where it was like this yeah. is where you start yeah, yeah. so maybe we can revisit that yeah we yeah. could re we could revisit those yeah for sure yeah. um here we'll 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 bring it back I was talking about um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy how yeah. it ends up being an upset because I thought the movie was fantastic it should have been better I feel like if it had been ten years later it probably would have really latched on better because of social media because of the way we're so much more accepting of geek geeky things now. Um, but also our understanding that like, if we want this thing to have more, we have to support it. And, like, I feel like that's a much better thing. Um, yeah. So passing it off to Mr. Rambo. Am I up? Um, yep. All right. So we're doing positives. Uh, let's see. They can be either or at this point, whichever, whichever you have on, on the docket. Yeah. Cause mine was kind of a hybrid. It was like, it was an upset, but it shouldn't have been kind of thing, you know? The Robin Hood should be a very simple premise, a very simple like kind of, kind of a no no brainer in terms of yeah, we all kind of know enough. You don't have to really over explain or lean too hard on things. And when you get somebody like 
uh, uh, Russell Crowe, who is known for, you know, being a pretty solid leading man, particularly in action movies. And you have Ridley Scott, who directed him in Gladiator, arguably the most famous action movie he's done, um, and a phenomenal movie on its own. This should all add up to cha-ching and, and lots of happy fans. Instead, that fucking movie is balls. The Robin Hood movie that, that Ridley Scott directed is goddamn terrible. Um, I remember it kind of, like, it being one of the ones that kind of popped up in the, um, like, development hell uh, articles I'd be reading from time to time. And a huge part of why the movie doesn't make any goddamn sense is the various iterations. It, it's it's not un unlike what Mike was talking about earlier with Wild Wild West, um, where elements from different scripts and different ideas that producers like will maintain and continue throughout. Like the the giant mechanical spider in Wild Wild West was something that John Peters, the producer, wanted to put into uh, uh, Kevin Smith's Superman Returns movie. And, or excuse me, Superman Lives movie. And he didn't get to do that, but he was like, fuck it, I want my giant mechanical spider. So he put it in the fucking Wild Wild West. Uh, the Robin Hood movie started off as a movie called Nottingham. And originally it was about the Sheriff of Nottingham, but it put forward this idea of like, well, what if Robin and the Sheriff were the same guy? And the Sheriff realized there was like a lot of corruption in the kingdom. And so he wanted to work against that, but he realized that he couldn't do it uh, uh, from the inside. But from the outside, if there was someone he was chasing after uh, who was just going around and like ganking fucking rich people and just sharing their wealth, um, you know, and he, he could create this perfect villain. And, and since he's the one controlling the chase, that works great. Like, that's an interesting idea. That's, that's, a, that's a cool concept. Like, taking that Robin Hood idea and kind of turning it on its head. Uh, so that was the original, original script. And uh, that, that is not the movie that got made. Um, but you can see the fucking seams in that movie where they clearly cut certain parts out and then put them back in certain places because there is so much weird character shit going on with Robin of Loxley um, where it's like he he might be a lawman but he's not and he, what the fuck what why what are you going on and so there's like I, I, if memory serves like a weird dream sequence where he thinks he's like a good guy or he thinks he's like a like a like a like the sheriff but you know but he's not and the sheriff's a different guy it's it's also notable that a movie directed by the director of alien and blade runner and black hawk down um wait was that his copy tony scott Might have been tony scott no i think ridley scott did um black hawk down i think okay, let me yeah. double check um but like a a a phenomenal film director uh, and starring like, you know, kind of one of his muses uh, in Russell Crowe is just so fucking like unmemorable. Like that movie, it's just, it's weird and boring in places. Like why, man? Like, I don't understand why it's sometimes it's, it's, 
it's not the formula it's the way it's applied and uh yeah that robin yeah. movie don't watch that movie it's it's not <laughs> worth your time you see you're like oh i love russell crowe watch that either again don't watch don't watch robin Hood. it's just disappointing the south south park has ruined russell crowe for me because when they had um the kids watching this the russell crowe show where it was just him and he has his own little theme song. He's like, making movies, making love, fighting around the world. Like, <laughs> I always think of Russell Crowe and then Russell Crowe's impersonation of people seeing Russell Crowe. And he'd be like, oh my God, it's Russell Crowe. Like, <laughs> I do that all the time now. Whenever I think of Russell Crowe, that's the first thing that pops in my head. <laughs> uh. <laughs> MC, what do you got? All right. Uh, I'm in the go into the superhero genre here um i was i was kind of back and forth because i've i have a I have both a upset positive and upset terrible um i'm gonna go with upset terrible on the on the backs of what rambo just just uh, just did um talk about the show that absolutely could have could have been really great um there's a lot of potential there i think they cast really well for this show and I think all the positives about it kind of stopped right after the casting. Because oh. uh, Titans has been a grand mess since, since the, 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 the second we started to get leaks about uh, or that we got behind the scenes footage of uh, set designs and the entire premise for the, that first season. And it sucks because we had a really good Teen Titans show back in the, the early 2010s with, the, with the, 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 the two seasons we got on Cartoon Network that were, that were really good. And even though it's different, Teen Titans Go! is also really fun. And, and they do a lot of funny stuff too. So like there is absolutely a market to do a superhero team-up show that could have been really fun, especially if you do something with that team in particular just because of how many people are fans of uh that group of of characters in particular hold on a second no you're good yeah i have so many of these man like we might have to go rapid fire after this because like yeah so okay sorry about that no you're good bud. um so yeah like the, the, the show had uh like it had a, a lot of potential and really it's not even a teen. It's not even a Teen Titans show, and then on top of it not even being that, it seemed like, hmm, you know what people want? Let's do dark and edgy. So we're gonna say we're gonna make Robin say "fuck Batman" in the first trailer. Yep. Just just to just to really make sure that we know that Dick Grayson for some reason just does not fuck with Bruce Wayne anymore. This ain't your daddy's Robin. <laughs> and then just the writing for that show is just so is just so piss poor because of whatever they did whatever this whole shit with with raven that's been going on because raven is still not raven she's just rachel and i guess we should take solace at the fact that they don't call her raven since she's actually not <laughs> not raven in any version or variation of the character in terms of powers or portrayal or really much of anything uh, Beast Boy, for him to have the name Beast Boy seemingly can only turn into one thing. 
We're on season like four, a, and he just like got a tiger to or something. Huh? Yeah, it's a tiger. Yeah, and seemingly just this season or this uh, the first half of this past season, he just learned how to do a second animal. Finally. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then like, they're, I mean, they're weird. They're, they're, and it's not even that it's so much that, like, it's really a Bat Family show that is masquerading as a show about the Titans because there really isn't plot for any of the characters that are not either of the Robins or, 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 um, or the, the one season when uh, Barbara is, uh, is, uh, is, is, on, is on the show, season, season three. Like, they have individual moments of things that are, that are really good, and then everything else just really falls by the wayside, and none of it really makes a ton of sense. So I'm going to spoil season two because they have... Oh, no, wait, don't. <laughs> they, so, like, they established that, like, Deathstroke, like, can't be convilled can't can't be killed through conventional means because he has that his regener his uh regenerate regenerate regeneration ability I'll say. And then like five minutes into the finale in, into the finale he gets stabbed in the chest and that's just it. Like it, he didn't get stabbed with something magical. Didn't didn't get like it, there wasn't anything fantastical about it. It was just hey Slade is attacking the van. Nightwing shows up in his the first first showing of the Nightwing costume and it looks it looks great. And then like his daughter just comes and stabs him in the chest and all of a sudden it's like, well, that's it. That's uh, that's just it for Slade. That you know, healing abilities be damned. I guess he just can't heal from this, even though it was just established the previous episode that you can't just stab him and you can't just kill him as if you would you can you can kill anyone else. And then in the very same episode, in the very same episode, Donna Troy grabs a piece of electrical wire and dies. That's the thing that kills her. Just, just, just some, of, some of the writing choices for Titans, just they, they just don't they don't make any sense whatsoever. And there, there are elements that could have made it a really, really, really good show. But they just seemed really content on being like, hey, how dark and edgy can we be with this group of characters? And yeah. how Robin focused can we be? How how much can we highlight the fact that, you know what? Batman is actually a really terrible father. Let's show you all the ways in which he's a terrible dad. We're gonna we're gonna put them on full full frontal display. Not only is he a bad dad, but you know what? He's actually kind of a shit hero too. I mean, if you're gonna do a Titan show, do a Titan show. If you're gonna do a Bat Family show, do a Bat Family show. It just, yeah. I'm just like, and also just the guy that yeah. they chose to play Bruce Wayne. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is not a believable Bruce. I'm like, this he he. I'm like, this man looks like if you put frail uh, Clark Kent from the Flashpoint movie in a <laughs> Batman suit, and we're like, yep, go out there, do your hero thing. He is not. Yeah. He is not. He's not believable at, at yeah. all. So. Yeah. You want to do some rapid fire ones since we we only got a couple minutes here before we're gonna wrap up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Um, sucked. Um, huge disappointment. X Men: The Last Stand. Oh yeah. God. Hard yeah. agree. Hard agree. Yeah. There's so many reasons. We're not gonna go into them. It's rapid fire. Rambo, go. Uh, Alien versus Predator. I've been genuinely angry leaving the theater twice that I can think of, and that was one of them. 
I, I co I co-signed that one. Fucking <laughs> fuck that movie, man. God damn it. Uh for for me for positives, I have Superman and Lois. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that show, especially because Todd Helbing, the showrunner for it, was responsible for the two worst seasons of The Flash. Well, the two previous worst seasons. Eric Wallace is definitely challenging him for that lately. <laughs> um but it's kind of incredible that that show is on the CW because it looks and feels like someone much better is in charge and running things. Yeah. Um, this is a twofer. Are you guys ready for this one? Oh. Yeah. Um, season one through six of Letterkenny was a fucking Cinderella story. <laughs> fucking outstanding. Season six and on, fucking giant disappointment. Like, you have this amazing concept. You have this smart, like innovative way of doing things you have creative stories you're burning through stuff you're fast-paced nailing these jokes every single time in season one through six season six and on hey all those jokes that worked before let's just keep trotting those those out and we're just going to keep making the same goddamn thing over and over and over again and not only that we're going to find one thing to make a joke about and we're just going to keep making it over and over and over again until you're fucking sick of it like you were the chosen one letter kenny you were supposed to be the one who brought comedy to Hulu, not destroy it. I loved you like a brother, Letter Kenny, and you betrayed me. Fuck all of you. Uh, except for Jared Kiso, because if he becomes um, Wolverine, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, the Batman Elmer Fudd one-shot comic. <laughs> what? Is a shockingly good. Um, DC did this, this whole series of uh, one-shot combos between their superheroes and Hanna-Barbera characters, and there is a exactly what I said. It is a Batman meets Elmer Fudd one-shot where Elmer Fudd has come to Gotham to find the man who killed his wife, and he's he's literally in Gotham only to murder somebody. This and is it actually is funny. This is actually a thing. You're fucking kidding me. I'm like... totally serious, and it is played totally straight. As a as like a neo noir, but Elmer Fudd does all of the narration, and so it's like it was a dog and stormy night. Um, you get shit like that. It's phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. There's a ton of. I don't of know the, if I can twist you, Cape Crusader. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm supposed to be scaled of the bat? Yeah, it's fucking. <laughs> It is collected in you Wascoey Batman. The DC Hannibal Bear stuff. It the fucking cover price alone is is covered by that one shot. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. MC. That's awesome. Oh, I just thought of one and it's really fucking obvious. But like fucking Peacemaker. Yeah. That's for a fucking upset. Absolutely. Yeah. Giant. In the aftermath, yeah. Like he was great in Suicide Squad, but I think all of us going into that show were just like Yeah. We're just like, hey, how's this even? How's this even gonna work? Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent, totally agree. Um, the first one, I, I, this doesn't happen anymore because when you go into stuff now with streaming services, you know exactly what you're going into. But in the time of TV, in the time of cable, you could run across shit that you had no idea what it was and be blown away. Um, the first time that ever happened to me was Army of Darkness. Like I remember watching that on fucking oh, Sci-Fi Channel, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And being blown away, I was like, this is so good. This is so weird and quirky and out there and hilarious. I, I absolutely love it. So yeah, Army of Darkness. S surprise, Cinderella. 
um, uh, positive Puss in Boots, Last Wish, the third in a series of a spinoff of a sh of the Shrek franchise has no right being as funny, as beautifully animated, as uh, uh, as touching, uh, as like having like a genuinely frightening uh, antagonist um in the fucking wolf that's in that movie um it is phenomenal it's currently streaming on peacock you deserve to watch that movie the end <laughs> <laughs> i was wait. i was waiting for mc i was like you got another oh, one oh sorry yeah. uh <laughs> no, you're good uh yeah uh i'm trying to remember uh what was, uh uh, While you're thinking pretty, through, I think pretty much got all. I think I think pretty much went through all of mine. Another yeah, the last two I have on here are just the Shazam movie. Given how bad the DCEU was to that point, I was kind of surprised at how good that one that entry ended up being. And uh, one that you kind of joked about before, Mike, uh, you the series you. Yes. Yeah. Great call. Yeah, you is absolutely on that list. Um. The fucking Dora the Explorer movie. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. I am not joking. This is not hyperbole. I'm not trolling you. This movie is fucking amazing. It was so good. I went and saw this with Jax because we got free tickets to go see it. And like, it, it's it's a kid's version of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is, it is well done. They, they make nods to all the goofy shit that happened from the show, but you also have to remember, this is not a movie for kids. Dora first came on the air in the year 2000. So there are grown ass adults who are going to go see this movie because they loved Dora as a kid. And there's enough stuff for, for little kids who are still watching the, the cartoon and enough for adults who were like, oh shit, okay, that's a good nod. The fucking cast is phenomenal. Michael Pena, Ava Mendez, fucking Danny Trejo is the voice of Boots the Monkey at one point. Like, um, <laughs> Benicio- funny. Oh, that's so good. Benicio Del Toro is Swiper. Like it, this, it is a fucking good movie. Like I'm not, I'm not even like playing with you guys. It's surprisingly good for what it was. And it made it made bank. It was like a $42 million budget and it made like $160 million. So like it did a good job of doing exactly what it needed to do. And like it's it's a it's a decent flick. Uh funny enough, none of us touched on what is arguably the biggest single upset in sci-fi fantasy pop culture of the last 30 years. Star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah. If you were probably, I'd say, 14 and up, you got a real rude awakening when you went to the theater in 1999. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk about politics. A lot of, a lot of whiny little kid. Yep. Um, trade routes and trade route. Yeah, just all that shit. Um, first, first appearance of Jar Jar Banks. Um, just, <laughs> just a fucking eye roll. You guys didn't see the eye roll from MC. It was fucking wonderful. Um, just you know, across the board, just a a, a real a real downer. Yeah, uh, with a couple little bright spots that you know, thankfully they're they're kind of going through and and retconning some stuff and and just you know cherry picking all the best parts out of it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, just. Imagine camping out for tickets for that movie. Yeah. Can we talk about the back the back to back upsets 
of Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice and oh, the Justice League, God. both of those in a row, like just ugh. I was so excited going to see Dawn of Justice. I was so excited going. I, I, I God damn it, it made me so sad. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Um, Such a fucking bummer. It, it really was. It really was. Well, um, we mentioned Star Star Wars: uh, Rise of Skywalker because Last Jedi did something innovative. Like, yeah, like it or not, it did something different. And I was like, okay, maybe Rise of Skywalker is going to do the same thing, where we're going to have like that same vein. At least you're taking a bold stance. But no, they did the exact opposite, and it was horseshit. And like in retro, I walked out of that movie like almost. The best way to describe it is like shell shocked. Where they were like, "How was the movie?" I was like, "I mean, a lot of things happened, so it was good." And then, like, it, I had to have time to like process the trauma that I viewed, and it was like, "Oh no, this movie was actually really bad." Like, it—that's it, how bad it was. It's so bad that you, at first you were like, "Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was a lot. It was, it was, yeah." There were Jedi's and and Star Destroyers and big lasers and and shit was on fire. It's it's like Brick describing the fight. Uh, between the news teams, <laughs> there was a man on fire. I had a trident. I stabbed yeah, a guy. Threw a trident. Like, yeah, yeah. Brick killed a guy. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that I have a couple others on this list, but I think that those are the big ones. Um, I I will I will leave us with unless I'm you want you have another one you want to. Um, and Mike, you're good. Um. Let me just check my list. You got any more positives? Let's see on a good note. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, um, I have three positives, rapid fire. I don't need to go into great detail. Napoleon Dynamite. Sure, yeah. Super bad. All right, yeah. Super, super bad I got a screener ticket for. Like, I got to see it, like, months <clears throat> before it came out. And that was that was one of those ones that, like, nobody saw coming, and it was really, really good. Um, Blair Witch Project. Okay. Independent movie, like, ended up being, like, the biggest thing ever. Um... And then the last one that I have is Doctor Sleep, which we talked about not too long ago. Fuck yeah, man! Where Doctor it was, you had an impossible challenge of of making a movie, a sequel to a movie and a sequel to a book that are vastly different, and making it somehow work. And he fucking pulled it off. So that that is, in my opinion, that is the Cinderella of all of them. That is fair. Um, let's see uh, positives. Uh, the Fountain. I know so many people who hate that movie, and it is. Last I checked, it was it was hovering around a fifty percent on on IMDb or on Rotten Tomatoes in terms of the the overall scores. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, highly recommend that. Um, the Injustice comic, a comic adaptation of, of a video game. Already, you're starting with losing battle. When that video game is a fighting game. That is, that's rough, man. But the Injustice comic manages to be both entertaining and a really interesting kind of biting commentary on the new 52 for DC. Um, and it is is a wonderful read. Um, and the last one I'll mention is Clue. A movie based on a fucking board game should not be nearly as entertaining as Clue is. Clue is a phenomenal film. Um, I know they're remaking it. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic uh, that that's happening at all. Um, but uh, but yeah, fucking clue, man. Good I shit, think Tim Curry. Yeah, man can do no wrong. Let's wrap it up. 
guys this is fun this was a fucking mc this was a great topic dude great job yeah, fuck yeah man yeah this was really really Thank fun you. i'm really glad we did this um to all those out there i'm really glad you tuned in i'm really glad you're listening to our podcast seriously like i we're, we're coming up on a 10-year anniversary of me podcasting and it still is amazing to me that people want to hear the dumb shit that comes out of my mouth. So thank you. Thank you very much for listening, for sharing, for being part of this, um, for paying money. The, all those Patreon subscribers, you guys pay money to hear us. And that's amazing. And we really, truly appreciate that. Um, that being said, we'll be back next week or later. We got cool shit coming up here soon. So make sure you tune into that. We're going to be working with a place called Tachi Station, which is like a nerd haven for comic books and toys and games and all sorts of cool shit. We're gonna be working with them. We're gonna be doing a free comic book day event. Um, friends of the show, Wes Johnson, John St. John, uh, Michael Allen Rawson, they're gonna be there. It's gonna be good shit. Come check us out uh, if you're in the Northern Virginia area. Um, but that being said, uh, we'll see you next time. And remember folks, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!